Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The Beautiful One. It's a new children's book. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Marilyn Zarance, and I'm really happy that Marilyn is right here with me now to talk about it. Marilyn, thanks for joining me tonight. You're welcome. I'm very glad to be on your show. It's great to have you here. Can you tell me all about The Beautiful One? Well, it's a story that I received years ago from God, and it's about a little caterpillar who travels through the meadow trying to find his family and where he belongs, and then in the end, he finds he's changed into the beautiful one, the butterfly. Hmm. Marilyn, you said you received this from God. Can you tell me more about that? Yes. In 1985, I thank God for all the wonderful things he was doing in my life, and in my mind came back an answer of like the caterpillar who slows down and changes into the butterfly. If you take time, slow down, and take time with me, you too can become the beautiful one. Mm. And that stuck in my mind for a number of years, the thought that was put into my mind. So in 1990, I sat down and I started writing the story. And I completed the story that day. And through the years, I held on to it till 2021 and then decided that I would venture out and see if I could get this published. Marilyn, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into The Beautiful One? Well, children, but also adults. I had taken it into work, my written story that I had typed up in the 90s. And my supervisor at the time asked me if I would make one of the creatures in her name and put it in my book. She was so impressed with it. Wow. And she really loved it. And I thought, boy, grown adults would enjoy this also because it's inspirational. Wow. Then, Marilyn, when that day came, you got the first copy of The Beautiful One in the mail. You got to hold it in your hands for the first time and look at it. What was that moment like for you? I couldn't believe I finally did it Mm. because I held on to it all those years. And like I said, it was something in my mind that I just could not let go of and wanted to share it with other people and thought that if other people read the book, they would understand how God holds us in his hands and how he changes us into what he wants us to be. And I was just thrilled with the book. Mm. Marilyn, so many of our listeners right now are people who also have a story. They want to get their first book out there. What advice could you give them? Well, if you have an inspiration and it stays in your mind, sit down and take your time and write it. Write out what you're thinking and what you want to express and share it with others because that's the gift of God, the sharing of your ideas. So much time, so much hard work goes into writing and publishing a book. So, Marilyn, what's the most rewarding part of it all for you? Well, the idea that the book is actually out and my family is proud of it and my friends are proud of it and they are very excited. Just the idea that the story itself would touch other people's lives is what is so great to me. Looking ahead, do you have plans to maybe write and publish more? I have other writings that I have been holding on to for years, Mm. but at this time there's nothing in the works, possibly down the future. 
Marilyn, it happens to us all when we write. Sometimes it gets tough. Sometimes you get writer's block. Sometimes you just run out of ideas. What do you do when the writing gets tough for you? Well, I just have to have an inspiration, number one. Mm. And once you have something in your mind, you just take your time. And over months or years, whatever time it takes, you'll come to your end of the story and you'll come to the realization of what your story really is all about. Sometimes you start thinking you want to make it one way, and at the end, you realize it's something totally different. Well, I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's titled The Beautiful One. It's written by Marilyn Zarance, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere that you pick up your reading material, like at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Marilyn, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had such a wonderful time chatting with you tonight. Okay, thank you very much for your time, and I hope your readers will enjoy my book. I've got a book right here that says it's the most accurate timeline of the end times to date. The title of it is Explosive New Info on Revelation with Never-Before-Seen Scrolls. The author, Joel White, is sitting down with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joel, thanks for stopping by the show. All right, thank you. That's great. You have a new book out in stores right now. So can you tell me all about this explosive new info on Revelation with never-before-seen scrolls? It sounds really interesting. Well, the scrolls, I found out when you read through the Bible, stories are told in chunks of three. And each time the story is told, each one adds a little more information to the other one. So I knew that you had to put all of them together to get the full picture. So that's what the scrolls do. Hmm. And it made all the difference in the world on understanding Revelation and what's coming. I would assume then this was written primarily to a church-going audience? We tried to make it as simple as we could so somebody who's never read any of this could still understand it. Hmm. You don't have to look up any words in the dictionary. Everything is right way down to earth, easiest to understand. Joel, can you tell me specifically what gave you the inspiration to sit down and write this and have it published? What did it was, people say the rapture happens at the beginning of the seven years, it happens in the middle of the seven years, it happens at the end. And I said, there's no way that the Bible tells us that. It's going to tell us one way, not three different ways. Hmm. So I knew if you don't put all the information together, you don't have the full picture, then you're not going to get it right. So when you put it all together, it did tell me when the rapture really does happen. So that's what started the whole thing. I can imagine there was a lot of research that went into this. Did this take you a long time to put together? It took 24 years. Wow. And I don't do computer. (laughs) So I had to use a dragon program and talk and have it show up on the screen. I had to cut all the verses that go in the scrolls out of a Bible and tape them to a piece of paper four by eight feet long. Wow. And then take it to Staples and have them copy that off. I had to start by reading the Bible cover to cover first. So it takes a lot of time. Absolutely. So then is this the first time you've written a book and been published? Yes. And it will probably be the only time. Oh, really? Was it that bad? (laughs) Well, I'm just a septic pumper my whole life. Never dreamed I'd ever do a book. I can't spell that great. I just never dreamed I'd wind up with a book. So I did the scrolls first, and they were going to be just for me, my information. Mm. And then people kept saying, well, you need to do a book to go and help explain scrolls better and everything. So that's where it turned into all of this. And after that long 24 years of working on this, when you got that first copy, you got to hold it in your hands, what was that moment like for you? Well, pretty amazing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll tell you. Yep. 
And we had the pitches done on it right here in the White Mountains. That's on the book. The pitches on the book are real. And my dog's with me. So that's kind of good. The uh, Cannon Mountain ski area is out there in the front on the front of the book where the old man of the mountain was that fell off. Mm, beautiful. It's on our quarters and it's on our license plates. Well, Joe, a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out. And I know you've learned a lot along the way of writing and publishing this book. So what advice would you give to someone who's just ready to go ahead and do this? It takes money. So if you're looking to do it, it takes money and you're going to need help. And just like I had to get a woman that could help me with a computer program to turn it into book form and to take the pitches professionally, and you do wind up reading it hundreds of times. Mm. I thought, oh, I'm just going to be reading it a couple of times. No, you go over the same book hundreds of times. So I learned a lot. Uh, Joel, you said you weren't much of a writer yourself. Are you much of a reader? Yeah, I've always, I've always been a reader. Yep. Mm -hmm. Slow. I have to read slow to take it in and retain it. Mm. That's why it took a while to do the Bible, cover to cover. Joel, who would you say most inspires you in your life? My parents, which are gone now. Mm, sorry. And God. Mm. The name of the book is Explosive New Info on Revelation with Never-Before-Seen Scrolls. This is written by Joel White and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Joel, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks again for stopping by. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. It's great that I'm joined right now by author Brenda Walters here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Brenda, thanks for stopping by tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting. You have a new children's book out right now. It's called Daisy Joe and Lucy Bell's Stallion Dream. So can you tell me all about this? Well, yeah, this actually is, this story is inspired by a true story from my childhood growing up out in the country. Hmm. Basically, what we had was a sheep, a pet sheep. Her name was Lucy Bell. And across the river from our house, and, and again, this is all part of the story, across the river from our house was one lonely man lived across the river. There was no houses, no roads to get across the river. And this man, his name was Chuck, and he would row across the river to get to his home. He had farm animals and he had one big black horse. And that horse would make its way down the riverbank to right across from my house. And I would love this horse. I just loved looking at this horse. And Lucy Bell, our pet sheep, apparently loved the horse too, because she would jump in the river and swim across the river to be with this horse, not once, but two times. <laughs> so we would have to go get Chuck because the horse was wild and nobody could get to Lucy Bell unless Chuck was there. So we would, my dad, Chuck, and I, we'd row across the river in this boat to go get back our pet sheep, who <laughs> apparently made friends with a big black wild horse. And that's what Daisy Joe and Lucy Bell's Stallion Dream is about. It's about Daisy Joe going on a rescue mission to get back her pet sheep. Wow. Brenda, what sorts of readers did you have in mind for this? We talked about this being a children's book. Were there specific ages? I targeted, the story's kind of long. So I, I targeted kiddos from the age of 7 to 12, you know, wanted them to understand the, the rescue venture and some of the choices Daisy Joe was making to get her pet sheep back. So, yeah. Hmm. Brenda, you said this was inspired by your childhood. So what made you decide to sit down and write this story and have it published? 
Well, <laughs> I do enjoy writing. And, you know, for me, I live this, right? Mm. It wasn't until I was an adult. And well, that's kind of goofy. I mean, who, <laughs> who has a pet sheep that jumps in the river <laughs> to go snuggle up against a black wild horse? So I knew it was a story. And, you know, I had some downtime a couple years ago with work. And I thought, well, I'm just going to put pen to paper. And I, it's inspired me to, to keep going. And I have so many ventures from my childhood that I could take Daisy Joe on and, you know, spinoffs of things that I got myself into, <laughs> my brothers and I did, you know. So I thought it was time to put pen to paper and, and bring it to life. So it was great. Brenda, you said you love to write. Have you ever gone into publishing before this? Nope. No, this is my first book. Mm -hmm. It's all been very exciting. But what I did do, how I started to write more was, you know, my dad is, oh, my dad is 68 now. And there comes a point like where you don't know what to get your dad for birthday or for Christmas, mm -hmm. you know, he can kind of go get what he wants. And mm -hmm. so I started writing him just poems for mm -hmm. his birthday. I enjoy writing. I enjoy writing poems and, and sitting down and just losing my mind, you know, lo not losing my <laughs> mind, but letting my mind wander and go. And it's just, it's kind of meditation for me to step out of reality and anything that might be going on in my world and get into another world, you know? Mm. Was this book something that took you a long time to write and then put through the publishing process? The book took me two months to write, if that. Mm. I mean, I remember the feeling of when I typed the end on the last page. And so it took me maybe two months to type it out, but the publishing process took me a year and a half, basically because it, it's a children's picture book. I wasn't an illustrator, so I didn't have the illustrations. I had the illustration notes, but I had to work with an illustrator. And that process took about six months. Mm. It's about almost two years in the process. I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's titled Daisy Joe and Lucy Bell's Stallion Dream. It's written by Brenda Walters, and it's published by Fulton Books. You'll find this book everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Brenda, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you so much. American Psyche. It's the name of the new book. It's out in stores right now, written by Kyle Wolf, and Kyle is right here with me now to talk about it. Kyle, thank you for being here with me tonight. Hey, no problem. Congratulations for having American Psyche out in stores now. So can you tell me what it's all about? American Psyche is just my opinions on psychology. You know, I wrote it up while I was graduating from other community college and doing work in human services and doing work in advocacy and other things like that. And basically, it's just how I kind of see the world. And it's based on a power dynamic that a lot of people are kind of familiar with with feminism. But it's especially relevant in prison culture. Like if you've ever been in prison or involved in that kind of counterculture, the kind of dominance that goes along with that type of kind of social interaction on a personal level, or just kind of that type of empowerment that goes along with like working in mental health or kind of with feminist theory. And it just speaks to kind of healthy relationships. And if there's not mutual respect and the relationship will be unhealthy, be it your girlfriend or be it your client or anything else. Interesting. Uh, what sorts of readers did you have in mind when you were writing this? I mean, it's a great thing for people in, in my professional industry. So the second piece that I'm finishing up now is goes into different theories on how I utilize my opinions on psychology in order to kind of work with clients and kind of establishing balances of power relationships and stuff like that. And um, I'm a Shotokan karate black belt, too, so I view the English language much like sparring. But it's useful in the field, and it's only 33 pages. So for a busy criminal justice reform professional, I sat down and I read it in a half an hour. I was like, you know, this is great. I want to read it again because it's so, it's so well written, so interesting. And then I read it two or three more times and I kind of grasped the concepts a little firmer, even though they're pretty well developed. 
But what I don't like to do is I don't like to tell people how to think. So it leaves mm. it open. You know, there's not those one sentence conclusions that tell people how they should think. Hmm. And now that American Psyche is out there, it is published. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect now of knowing that, knowing that you're a published author and your ideas are out there for the world? That I don't have to edit it anymore. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> I believe that's a, that's a tough process. So what was the most challenging part of the whole editing thing for you? The most challenging? I don't know. I did special forces training for a while because I volunteered to serve in the military and I'm still willing to do that. I set world records in muzzle or long distance shooting. I'm a firearm safety advocate too. The most challenging part was probably reading or teaching myself new skills sleep deprived. It's just a pain in the butt. You know, if I edit yeah. something, it's it's not something that I, you know, want to take a lot of uh, time time doing. It's a pain in the butt. So Kyle, who inspires you when it comes to what you write and what you read, what you create? My dad inspires me. The District of Vermont, some of our judges and prosecutors inspire me. In terms of what I write and stuff, it's really just what I do for a living. You know, like I said, statistically, my relapse rate in substance use was something like 8.5% over a year and a half. And I worked in that field for close to five years, and I'm a peer in that field. And mental health, I did crisis work with some very severe cases, and I only had to utilize crisis service once out of 50 times in something like a year or so. I'm normally really good at what I do, man. I won like a bunch of state hockey titles growing up. I was a chess champion. I was a valedictorian in school. And if I put effort in something, I'm normally the best at it in Vermont around these parts. I put effort into that field and I was able to get really good statistics. And that's what being a black belt is about, is like taking the time to teach it. And that's my religion as well. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Zen Buddhist and Zen Buddhists, enlightenment is unlimitedness knowledge. And what we have to do when we tap into the cosmos or big mind or Buddha nature is we're supposed to teach. So that's kind of what life's about for me, man, is teaching. And if I can make money at it, I'm all about it. So when you set records, you often get a medal, you get a trophy, or when you reach a certain point in martial arts, you get a certain belt. And it's almost like whenever you reach the goal of publishing a book, you get that physical copy in your hands and you get to hold it. What, what was that like for you? Well, just like the deal that I had to set up, it's a first edition. So there's a couple of changes that I want to go about it. But I really like doing personalized notes and, and signing my, I would probably sign my athlete name. I don't know if I'd sign my legal signature with the court documents and stuff that I submit. But that's cool. I was really proud of it, man. I think it came together really, really nice. And I think it's really a cool piece to read and fun to read. So I was, really, I was really proud of it when I saw, you know, it was like giving birth almost. I better shut up before I get like nabbed with some cabbage or something. But no, it, it was it was a good experience. I mean, but we'll see how it sells, you know, and then it's talking to them about, you know, because it's just a shorter piece about kind of the price for my second, third pieces. And my second piece is clinical applications. It's theories based on the opinions on psychology in the first. And the third piece is like a clinical flow chart, like actual programming and actual step-by-step -step instructions and stuff for harm reduction case management in the fields that I kind of work in and some kind of unheard stuff, man, because I'm the grandson of an engineer. I'm the son of an engineer. And what we do is kind of think about how to make stuff better. And, and, and I'm the grandson of a nurse. So kind of a lot of healthcare and then a lot of engineering on my father's side when it comes to creative ideas and caring about people. I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's called American Psyche. It's written by Kyle Wolf and it's published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Kyle, thanks again for joining me on the show. I had a great time meeting you, learning about American Psyche. So thanks again. I hope we can do this soon. Life's too short. Hopefully I made you laugh. I'm sitting down right now with author Taja Beard here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Taja, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here because you have a new book out. It's called Patience. It's in stores now. So what's the book all about? The book is about a young girl. She was around the age of 19 when she discovered she had a medical condition known as pseudo seizures. 
And it's basically telling a little bit about her story and from beginning to end, she had a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties during the process of her going through these medical conditions. And she, towards the end, found her way through it. Where did the idea for this story come from? You want me to be truthfully honest? One day, I was actually sitting in my room. I was about 25 years old. I said, you know what? Huh, I've been going through this seizure condition for about seven years. I want to write my story and maybe someone else might gain from it. Mm -hmm. Who knows who else might have gone through this experience? And why not someone like me tell my story and it might help them tell their story, you know? Exactly. Was this easy for you to write or was this difficult? In the beginning, it was honestly something I felt needed to be done. Mm. It was like a sign that I had inside of me saying, hey, I feel like I need to tell this story to someone. Someone needs to hear about this. Mm. Have you ever done anything like this before, written a book or published? No, this is actually my first time. And it's, I was kind of scared in the beginning because, you know, I didn't know really what I was getting myself into. Like, hey, you know, I don't know how to write a book. I don't even know how to even reach publishers or any of that. Mm. And one day I just said, you know what? I dreamed about doing this. I dreamed about being an author. I dreamed about having my book in stores one day. And like I said, again, no matter what struggles do you have, there's always a better outcome. Mm. Being the first time you've written a book and published anything, I can imagine this took you a long time. Was that the case? Actually, no. It took me about a year and a half. I knew what I wanted to already talk about. The scenario, the scenes, and the way the story just came together, it was practically, you know, pen and paper. Mm. I think that's my most powerful weapon is the pen and the paper, you know? I actually wrote that as a little quote in my book, that pen and paper is my most powerful weapon. Mm. Taja, can you think back to that moment when you got the first copy of Patience in your hands and you got to hold it? What was that moment like for you? I mean, you know, I was stunned. I, w I was shocked. Mm. I didn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I actually did this. You know, like I said, one day I was just sitting in my room and just said, hey, I'm going to write this story. And then next thing you know, I'm published. <laughs> it was like an amazing feeling, you know. What are the chances you'll be writing more and publishing more in the future? A hundred percent. I'm actually working on another book titled Secrets Upon Secrets No One Ever Knew, actually. Now, this one is actually telling my life story. So we go back to the beginning where it all started leading up to patience. I know that seems kind of backwards, but I thought this was the way to do it because I felt in that moment with me going through my seizures, it was something that needed to be let out right then and there. Mm. And then I said, hey, you know what? Let's go back to the beginning of where it all started before it all started and just let people know. This is really what I went through. This is really what I encountered in my life. So now that you've been through this whole thing, what advice could you give to people listening right now who are authors just starting out and they want to get published too? You know, keep striving, keep pushing, never give up. Mm. There's moments and times when I was in the middle of writing patients that I wanted to give up. I said, ah, I can't do this. 
or oh, this doesn't sound right. Or maybe, you know, one of these agencies aren't going to take my book because maybe, you know, they just are going to be like, no, we don't want it. Or you could do better. You know, I've I've heard a few no's from a few agencies. And this was this was a hard yes. And I said, I'm going to stick with it. And I thank you guys for this opportunity. Absolutely. Just like your book says, it takes some patience. Yes, definitely. Taja Beard's book is named Patience, and you can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. And it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Taja, thank you again for coming on the show. I really admire that you're using things in your life to deal with your own things and also to reach out and help other people. So thanks again. I hope we can do this again. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. Last time I got to chat with my next guest, we heard about his exciting stories with a biblical worldview. Now author D.L. Krager returns with In a Warrior's Quiver, Guarding the Past, the prequel. Darren, thank you so much for joining me again. Welcome back to the show. Corey, thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is awesome. I sure appreciate it. Well, it's fantastic. In a Warrior's Quiver, it's out in stores now. So what's this one all about? In a Warrior's Quiver, it's the prequel to the, the first book, Guarding the Past. So this is In a Warrior's Quiver, Guarding the Past, the prequel. And it, it basically goes back, you know, obviously before the first book in time. So the first book is basically up to date. It's in our time frame right now. In a Warrior's Quiver goes back to the time of King David, King Solomon, and really digs in deep to uh, exciting stuff with King David's mighty warriors when they started growing their small army of warriors mm. and how special they were and how significant they were for the nation of Israel. It really focuses on a certain character. His name is Shariah. Starts out as a young boy. He's adopted into this group of warriors under the command of King David. And the book goes on and talks about him becoming a warrior over time. He, the, all the children start training to be warriors, to be a mighty warrior for the king of Israel and for King David. Shariah is a significant young boy, and we focus on him and his growth and his maturity and how God has blessed him with unique, incredible talents physically and, and mentally for war and for battle. He becomes the youngest mighty warrior of all the mighty warriors there under King David. If you read in the Bible, it talks about to become a mighty warrior, you had to have slain 300 enemy warriors in one battle. Wow. So one battle you had to <laughs> slay, and that's in the Bible. So it's an exciting, great story for men and women. You know, we've got also a little romance in there, really focus on, you know, King David and the Maya warriors. But then later on, it goes into where Shariah, how he grows up, and he actually becomes the general of the Israelite army under King Solomon, King David's son, who uh, becomes the, you know, we all know is that becomes the wisest man ever, mm -hmm. uh, excluding Jesus, of course. But uh, <laughs> Shariah is his general for the Israel army, plus King Solomon's personal bodyguard. The story outline is Shariah is actually General Shariah is uh, sent out on a mission. And through a chain of events and a stormy weather and getting shipwrecked, he, him and a few warriors that survived this shipwreck finds a hidden secret in another country now that we call Turkey, because he finds himself on Mount Ararat, which we all know, if you look biblically, 
what was on Mount Rarat? It was Noah's Ark. Mm -hmm. If you read the first book, Guarding the Past, there's a great secret in that. And it's uh, it's about Noah's Ark and everything. So, and what was in it left by Noah, a message that he had put inside the ark for future generations. Mm. Yeah, this story is just an exciting story of King Solomon gives General Shirai a new epic mission, and that is to go back to where he found this incredible find, Noah's Ark, and to actually move it, to have it hidden in a better location, because uh, he feels that uh, God has uh, spoke to him and that he needs to hide it in a more secluded area, that actually the mighty warriors protect it and keep it secret for generations until God wants it revealed to the world. Mm. And that's where the first book, Guarding the Past, that's where that story connects and stuff. So, mm. Darren, you're quite the busy author. So what do you got coming next? Oh, my. So I'm kind of taking temporarily a different path. And my wife, Shelly, Shelly Krager, and I have also, we've just completed another book. Mm. It's called Is Your Life Out of Order? So this is actually a nonfiction book, which is a relational instructional book primarily focusing on marriages, but it is actually helps people understand that, that we have relationships in our lives and we need to prioritize those relationships to have harmony, to have a right order of relationships so things fit together and blend and just more harmony and where there's balance, joy, and contentment. So that's coming out in March. We're really looking forward to it. Like I said, it's going to kind of a different direction because my other books have been Christian fiction, adventure, mystery. Mm. This one's a nonfiction, but it's a nice, short, sweet book, and uh, it's fun and exciting, and we just have a blast, had a blast writing it, and we're coming from a lot of experience. We're looking forward to all of those. I encourage my listeners to check out D.L. Krager's book, In a Warrior's Quiver. This is Guarding the Past, the prequel. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere, of course, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you get books. Darren, thanks again for stopping by the show. Again, I had a great time chatting as always, and can't wait to do this again. Corey, thank you so much. This was a, uh, this was a blast. Thank you again. Appreciate it. You can change your life by changing within. That's what author Sandy Money says in her new book, you hold the golden key to change your life. I'm really happy Sandy's right here with me now to talk about it. Sandy, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Can you tell me what you've written about in You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life? I've written this book with the purpose to help people to change their lives by changing within. Hmm. It's a self-help book. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes we limit ourselves and cap our potentials. Many talented people up there are just struggling and they think they can't move forward. Um, they mm. believe that they're destined to remain in their situations, in their current situation. You know, usually this part is the problem. Mm. That's when this book comes in. The secret in this book will help break it through the patterns of negative beliefs, because that's what holds us down, our negative beliefs. Moving from inaction to action, overcoming fears, the fears is a thief of joy. That's what majority is setting their potential because of fear to move forward, to show who they are, who they want to be. That's what 
this book is many, uh, many other things, amazing things in this book. Self-help book, mainly. Sandy, can you go back and tell me about the moment where you got the inspiration or the idea to sit down and write this? Oh, my gosh. This is, this is a long, long story about the idea, the inspiration. My inspiration is God. Hmm. He is the one who inspired me. And by going to many other seminars and reading many books, and especially going to seminar and personal growth, personal development, I found out there was so many people up there who were hurting, you know, all ages. Because in a seminar, we have an opportunity to express why we are there, what pain are we going through, or what things we want to overcome, what things we want to learn. And I learned from other people, you know, the pain and suffering, the emotional, physical, and spiritual pain they were going through. I said, wow, and I've been through that too. So I think I should write a book. And of course, I had in my mind writing book for many years, but the little voice in my mind, in my head, keep telling me, nobody's going to want your book. Nobody's going to read it. Mm -hmm. Who cares about your book? You know, those so better within. But, and I had God continuously keep inspiring me, keep this. And my other little voice that I'd call, that's a God's voice. It keeps telling me, you can, you need to do this book. You cannot be selfish and hold it in all the things you know, all the things you have done and all the things you know to get to where you are right now. Mm. That's what mainly has got and help the people, God's people to get to, to the next level where mm. they should be. Sandy, if you can picture that moment when you got the first copy of You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life in your hands, what was that moment like for you? I was very grateful thinking mm. that this book, it will help so many people. And looking ahead now, do you have plans to maybe write more books and publish more? You know, I wasn't, but after this book, I think I'm going to because I have so many other things. So I think I'll be, yeah, I think two more, I will be doing two more, writing two more. Well, that's great. So looking back over it all, what would you say is the most rewarding thing about being a published author for you? The most rewarding thing is that I've done what God wants for me to do. Mm. And I pray about this book. It will help so many people to transform their lives, regardless and what level they might be. You know, they might be on top of the world or in the middle or on the bottom. Everyone should read this book. I think it's going to help the people. And do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer to the people listening right now who are authors just starting out and just want to get their first book out there? You know, I always say that there's just so many, I mean, everyone has a book within, mm. in a different titles. And when you think about others, how many people can you be helping by publishing, pulling out that book that you have within, put it out, you know, think about how many people's life you can be helping. And I think every human being should be writing book because that's what we are here to help one another. We might not be in everywhere, but by putting our, the book you have within, you can help many people. I certainly appreciate, Sandy, that you're looking to help others out with your work. The book is called You Hold the Golden Key to Change Your Life. It's written by Sandy Money, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere that you pick up your books, like at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thanks again, Sandy, for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you so much, and I appreciate for the opportunity. 
Writing is supposed to be fun and a little adventuristic. That's what author Marvin Russell Sr. Esquire says. He has a new book in stores now. It's titled A Grandpa's Tales. It's a real ARF book. Marvin is right here with me now to talk about it. Marvin, thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. So what is A Grandpa's Tales all about? What can readers expect? Well, it's just a bunch of adventure and little fun things to read about. And I don't know, it's just a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> hmm. What sorts of readers did you have in mind when you wrote it? I was thinking probably somewhere around third grade, fourth grade, somewhere in there would probably enjoy it the most, probably. What made you decide to sit down and write this and publish it? Well, I wrote my first story in that book in 1971. Hmm. I've just been writing here and there, and I just put everything I think about on paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Have you ever been published before this? No, I haven't. Congratulations. That's such a big deal. Uh, what was it like then when you got that first copy in the mail? You opened a box and took it out, held it in your hands. What were you thinking? <laughs> Boy, I think it was a, a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin, have you given any thought to writing more and publishing more? Yeah, I have a couple doodles down already. Hmm. So now that you have your first book out there, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of being a published author now? Well, I'm not sure. I suppose having my name on a book. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any words of advice now that you could offer to our listeners who are authors just starting out and want to get their first one out there too? Yeah, just go for it. Write it all down and uh, put it out there and see if somebody else wants to pick it up. When you were writing these, was it an easy thing for you, or did you sometimes have a hard time coming up with ideas, maybe get writer's block here and there? No, it all comes out of this big fuzzy brain. <laughs> <laughs> I can sit and write a story in a minute. Just have to have a big imagination. Mm, well, that's fantastic to be using your imagination and just putting it out there and inspiring others. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, it's kind of fun just spilling your brains on a piece of paper. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Marvin, uh, who inspires you when it comes to what you write or maybe how you live your life? Well, what inspires me is I'm a huge Tolkien fan. Hmm. I think I've read it, oh, probably 20 times. It's fun when you learn something new every time you read something. Hmm. Now, you said that the writing of this was pretty easy. When it came to editing, was that a challenge for you? Well, not really. I just self-edit while I'm gone. Hmm. I noticed that you say writing is supposed to be fun and a little adventuristic. Can you go into that? Yeah, it, it is supposed to be fun. I mean, spilling your brains all over a piece of paper and then scrambling all the words and putting them together and making something. Like I said in the book, anybody can write a story. They just got to start somewhere. I encourage our listeners to check out this book. It's titled A Grandpa's Tales. It's a real ARF book. It's written by Marvin Russell Sr. Esquire, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find this everywhere you get your books, like on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Marvin, thanks again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Hey, thank you very much. That was fun. Willie Weed's Miracle Garden. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now by Karen D. Holden, and I'm really happy that Karen's right here with me now to talk about it. Karen, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me all about Willie Weed's Miracle Garden? Okay. Willie Weed takes his readers on a journey into a world filled with imaginary friends, 
that have a real life impact on them. What sorts of readers did you have in mind whenever you were writing this? Well, it is for children of all ages. Willie's hope is that when people read books to their children or the children read the books to the parents or the guardians, that it will have an impact on all of them. They'll see the need for what Willie brings to the focus. Hmm. Now, Karen, can you think back to where you got the idea for this book and the inspiration to write it and have it published? Yes. I have had the great fortune to be able to travel around the world. In my travels, I noticed that one thing that was lacking in the United States that I found in a lot of other countries, some not, and that was that they didn't have quality food and nutrition teaching. Hmm. You know, they offer opportunities for people to learn what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat and that sort of a thing. But they never tell them why or how or present a fun-filled way of understanding nutrition. And when it comes to writing and publishing, is this your first time doing this? Yes. Well, congratulations. It's so exciting to get your first book out there. Uh, tell me about what that moment was like when you got that first one in your hands. You got to hold it and look at it. You mean after I stopped crying? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was so unbelievable. Mm. You know, I was excited and I was frightened and it was all of the emotions you come up with. But the best part was when friends of mine and people that I came in contact with, they started asking me for my autograph. And reality started setting in. And I said, well, wait a minute, maybe I did do something here. So when you look back on it all, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author and having your work out there for the world? The reward is yet to come. That is when Willie accomplishes his goal. So a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out. They haven't written a book yet, but they really want to. They really want to get their stuff out there. So what advice could you offer them? I would say do it. It will make a difference in someone's life, maybe many people's lives. Do it. Mm. Karen, did it take you a long time to write and then put through the publishing process, Willie Weed's Miracle Garden? Actually, the writing process took me about six months, the actual physical writing process. And then the publishing was a a very good learning experience. Mm. Now I know what to expect in the next one. I actually, believe it or not, I have it four in mind wow. that I have started, you know, my notes on, but one of them is in, in full progress right now. Fantastic. Well, Karen, who inspires you when, when it comes to your writing or creativity or just the way you live your life? You know, it's funny because in my life I've had adversities, you know, maybe more than the next person or less than the next person. I don't know, but I was able to overcome adversity. But mm. the one true person who helped me the most was remembering my maternal grandfather. And he was just a slight little man, you know, very unpretentious, but he loved little trinkets and toys and anything that was mechanical. And from that, I saw the vision in his mind of the fantasy world that it presents for him, presented for him. And that's what stimulated me with Willie. Mm. By the way, his name, his name was Willie Weed. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, when you sit down to write, do you have a routine that you go to? Like, I sit down every evening or I wake up early every morning to write. Or are you more of the writer that sort of sits down whenever the inspiration hits you? Exactly. When I have inspiration on it, a thought will come to me. I'll be lying in bed or I'll praying or whatever I'm doing. And then I have a, a thought that comes to me. Then I'll sit, I'll sit down and write. I usually, I'm a, a physical writer. I walk and, and meditate and think, and then I can sit down and put it on paper. Karen, are you a reader as well? A lot of authors are. Do, do you read a lot? Yes, I do. What kinds of things do you find yourself drawn to? 
basically I like fun. Anything that's fun filled. I'm not much on biographies. I just find them to be, you know, interesting, but it's not stimulating and I don't really learn from them. I like educational books and yeah, primarily fun educational. Karen, thank you for putting so much work and passion into this really important issue. It's called Willie Weed's Miracle Garden. It's written by Karen D. Holden and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get this everywhere like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and iTunes and traditional brick and mortar stores. Karen, I really appreciate you coming on the show with me tonight. I had a great time learning about Willie Weed and just a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it myself. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Sixto Polo Fontanes. Polo, thank you for being here with me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on here. Thank you. It's great to have you. I just wanted to congratulate you on having a new book. It's out in stores now. It's called The Son of Man, Part One. This sounds like a really exciting novel. So can you tell me what it's all about? Well, it's not to give any spoiler alerts, to give it away. It's basically a science fiction mixed with religion, mixed with love, mixed with everything you could think of. But it's basically the cloning of somebody very important. And the evils that be want to take over that empty vessel to lead humanity into destruction. And a human being is chosen this time to represent us and lead us in the right path. Hmm. How did you get the idea for this? Well, it was through a dream. I had a very long sequential dream that lasted a very long time. And every time I I went to sleep or even walked around a very secluded track that I used to walk around in in my in, in the situation I was in, I kept coming back to the, the next part. Like it was like a, a long drawn out dream that became a, a movie first and I offered it to uh IMBD and a, and a couple other networks and they wanted it but they were they told me to write the book first. Hmm. It would be more. So from the script of the movie I pulled out the book. Hmm. Polo, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into this? Well, I've done a little focus group with um, young people and of all and people of all ages, and everybody that I spoke to has of all ages have really walked. They can't put it down, hmm. and they come off excited for part two. Hmm. So I think a lot, many ages would be would be attracted to it of all ages. The controversy itself attracts. You mentioned part two. Is this going to be a longer series or do you plan on wrapping it up with part two? Oh, part two would be the continuation of this one, but then this would be a prequel book Hmm. of the story of the chosen one and how that came about. So it's going to be about a four or five part series, but prequels, almost like movie type deal. Hmm. I think the part two is going to, is where all the excitement is as it is in part one. Hmm. Polo, what does your writing background look like? Have you ever written or published before this? No, actually, this was all, I was an eighth grade dropout. Now I, I am, I have some degrees under my belt and all that. I've done it within the last 10 years, but hmm. I've never written or even attempted to write. It was something that just came over me to do this. Congratulations. How long did this take you to do? Actually, it took me about, the hardest part was writing the book, but the book was in my head. I wrote it in, in scribble form, if I could if you understand what that means, <laughs> in about six months. Then it took me about a year to write the actual book. In two parts. Hmm. And when you get the first copy in your hands after all that hard work, uh, what's that moment like for you? It was very exciting, especially the fact that all the artwork inside and on the cover was done by my 14-year-old daughter, who read the book and was able, she's a very good artist. Her name is Isabel Fontanez, and she was able to picture the characters and draw them enough so we can put them on the cover and in the insert in the book that speaks about a sequence in it that's very exciting. And she put the comic strip together. 
And that was very, I was a proud father then, and she's very proud of her work in my book, in both of them, actually. That's fantastic. Now, a lot of our listeners are authors who are just starting out. Uh, what advice would you give them? Hey, if you, if, if you feel, if you read it and you feel that, that it touches you and, and, and you get the message, because we all have a message. Hmm. In the end, we, it's all about the message. And if you feel the message, if you got it, everybody else certainly will. So don't give up and move forward no matter what. It's hard, but we get it done. Writing can be hard. Sometimes you hit writer's block. So, Polo, what do you do when the words just aren't coming to you? Put it down, close your eyes, and remember what the dream, what, well, with me, what, I remember what the dream was about, and it all comes back. So the dream is the dream is part of my life as well. So a lot of it is personal in there as well. A lot of stuff in there has to do with me. So it's it was a little bit easier for me, I could say. I should say it was hard, but easier for me not to forget get writer's block because it was a lived and dreamed event, if you understand. Mm. Uh, looking back over it all, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect now of being a published author? I'm still gathering. Everything's exciting, mm -hmm. but I just can't wait to hear I like feedback, and I guess when I get the feedback, and I and, and that's what excites me. Oh, that you know, positive or negative, it excites me because I know somebody took the chance, took the time to read my writing. Hmm. The book is titled The Son of Man, Part One. It's written by Sixto Polo Fontanez, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Polo, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time chatting. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.